Welcome to the Adapting Places podcast. This is episode two, and it's going to be part one of my discussion with uh, Martin Boyson from For the Love of Place, where we talk about conceptual clarity, the differences between place promotion, place marketing, and place branding. Um, for this second episode, uh, Martin's kindly come in to talk to me. Uh, he's a Danish geographer. Uh, with a master's degree from Utrecht University. He lives and works uh, from the heart of the beautiful city of Utrecht in the Netherlands. And he's not only uh, a geographer and academic, but also he's a leading advisor and a respected uh, practitioner that helps uh, places uh, develop and use the tools of place branding, place marketing and place promotion in the correct way. He's also the vice chairman of the International Place Branding Association who put on an annual conference where key issues in the field get discussed. Um, we So breaking this down into two episodes, the reason for that was that we talked about some theoretical conceptual clarity in the, in the first part where we discussed the key paper that Martin wrote around reframing the different concepts of uh, place promotion, place marketing, and place branding. And that's going to be the first bit that you listen to before the, the second part, part two, which would then take you through how the this conceptual clarity then give us the opportunity to think about, okay, what does that mean in practice? Uh, what does it mean uh, in the context of this current situation that we have where we've actually been able to see which parts of place promotion, place marketing and place branding may be deemed essential and which ones may be not essential. Uh, so that's going to come in part two. But for now, part one, uh, talking about conceptual clarity and there's a link in the description to the paper. I hope you enjoy the discussion as much as I did. Uh, so the, the two episodes will be about 30 minutes each, but we did have a two hour long conversation with Martin for which I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, and I'm also thanking in a big way the Place Brand Observer for organizing the interview. sure that the demand and the supply meet okay right, um, yeah. right? Um, and and that can also mean that an objective for marketing and also for place marketing can basically be to provide better services where better services are not necessarily economically identified or defined uh, but are defined as the ones that fits the needs uh, and aspirations of the you know citizens for example or the companies in that city better than now Right. So it's just, I think that's a really important um, uh, highlight. Uh, I'm not saying that the objective of this marketing should not be growth or, or whatever, 
Um, but I'm just saying that it's very important to understand that we can use the knowledge that place marketing brings to the table, that kind of, of, of transactional framework to better our services uh, without wanting to earn more money or, or attract more people necessarily. It can also just to, uh, to be to, to you know, service the ones that are already there better. Uh, and with place branding, it's even more important, right? Because, and, and it's easier with place branding, as you also uh, hinted. Um, because in place branding, it can be about, you know, your attachment to the place, your pride, your feeling of comfort, feeling of, of belonging. Uh, and that does not necessarily have to have an economic uh, rationale in it. Mm. Uh, but then again, politicians, decision makers um, will, of course, say that those things are important because then you are more likely to stay in that place. You're more likely to invest in that place. And so the economic argument will always be introduced. It's just a question of whether it's the front door or the back door. Right. Yeah. OK, that makes sense. Um, and it's it really makes me think about the place branding aspect because one of the things you said in one of the YouTube videos I saw was that you actually said something that was that places do not have brands they are brands yeah which yeah. I was hoping that you can just elaborate a bit more and if it relates to this conversation yeah definitely um, the thing is um, if you define a brand as a set of ideas and associations within the minds of people Right? Uh, not as a something that somebody wrote down on a piece of paper um, or something designed in that sense, right? But, you know, the, the thing that you have in your mind that might be associations, feelings, incentives, um, attitudes. If that's the brand, uh, then I can mention any number of places and that will, you know, call that set of associations in your mind. So that means that places are brands. Um, so when I say they don't need brands, they are brands, it's to say like, you cannot start designing a brand for a place, or start developing a brand for a place. I don't believe in that frame. It's a consultancy frame. Um, you cannot do that. You do not start with a blank piece of paper. And then you know, you, you decide what it should be about, or simply just inform yourself about what could be useful for that place. No, the brand of the place already exists and your humble acknowledgement should be that you can only try to shape that or orchestrate how that develops further, but it's already there. Um, and, and I think that is a, a key, uh, a realization for, to be a good consultant in this, uh, but also to be a good scientist. Um, so, so the, the vantage point of starting to assess the brand of a city, for example, I would not to start looking up the policy documents, um, because they describe what they hope or what they aspire that brand to be about, but not what it actually is. And the distance between those two, um, right, what people actually think about the place, what people feel about the place and what we want them to think and feel about the place that distance cannot be too large because then everybody has agreed upon the strategy, but it's simply not feasible or you cannot, you cannot realize this, uh, in reality. Some people will say that this is the, you know, uh, the, the notion that your image and your identity should match. 
um, right? But but that's I think that's a semantic fallacy. Um, okay. What do you mean? Um, well, I think in in to that extent, uh, identity of a place doesn't exist, um, right? It's 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 like your identity is not something that I can discern. Right, your identity is yours, and and it's something that you experience from inside you, the yeah. superhuman, <laughs> yeah. um, and um, uh, and and your identity is very very much formed about everybody around you, and how you position yourself. A, a city cannot do such a thing, uh, because a city does not have agency. It's it's not an entity as such. It's a, it's a collective construct. Um, so. In that sense, I think it's a semantic fallacy. Um, we're talking about two different shape uh, forms of image. Um, we're talking about the difference between self-image, how you perceive yourself, and that means, in this sense, how you perceive your city, uh, and external image, uh, which is how other people perceive your place. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes, I find it very clarifying to think about um, what you think other people think of your place. Hmm. Right. Uh, I think that one is often forgotten, but that's actually really, really important. Um, we've been using that in Oslo um, to 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 not only look at the difference between internal perception and external perception, but also to look at what stakeholders in Oslo actually thought that the rest of the world were thinking about Oslo, okay. and then confronting that with what the rest of the world was actually thinking about Oslo. And that's very, very useful for strategy. Um, so, so I think that's it makes more sense to keep it all when we're talking place branding to keep it all in the uh, uh, in the connotative uh, uh, level of associations and that sort of thing and not try to make some kind of DNA uh, metaphorical analysis that you can calculate or discern or pin down exactly uh, what the identity is of a place you can approach it a little bit yeah, that's... inevitably you will realize that everybody living in a city has their own idea about that city, um, and uh, yeah. you're just looking for the common uh, denominators. That really puts me at ease because it's something I've kept thinking and thinking about, and even from the geographical standpoint, when they talk about the sense of place, and I was just like, but then how can I know that your sense of place is the same as mine? I definitely can't. I'm pretty sure I can't. And then. You when we, we yeah when we try to to talk about this brand this okay so i've never thought about it as not having intentionality you can definitely prove that and then it becomes a you, you take it to its extreme okay but then that doesn't mean that you can't still do things so the when you talked when you mentioned the it is important to to think about though asking stakeholders about the misconceptions that they might think others have about them that is then you can analyze that and take actions against that because and you can see which ones are true, which ones are false. Okay. Because that reminds me of the the reasons why I got into the field, you know, having the behavioral economics perspective because they tend to deal with how our minds tend to have systematic misconceptions, systematic errors. And I was just thinking, are the misconceptions that people have of places that are afar something that I can think about? But then I haven't thought enough about applying it in that in that sense of the, the misconceptions we might have about what others might think about us okay and if that's yeah. systematic in any way yeah, okay. that's yeah no, I, th I think 
we've had uh, in uh, geography, we had a concept called meta geography um, for a long time, which which is a good keyword to uh, to, to 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 search in Google Scholar. Um, and uh, that has a lot to do with, for example, perception of distance or perception of um, of qualities of something that is further away, right? And the the basic assumption was that when something is further away, um, then you know little about it, and your image of that will be more stereotypical um, as a result. Um, not always true, um, but a lot of times it is. Um, and then uh, what I wrote about in the 2011 uh, paper on selectivity was to conceptualize this uh, as uh, sort of like voids, as vacuums that the human brain that fills with the first geographical scalar level that it does know, right? So when I mention a place in Africa, if you know that it's in Africa, but you don't know anything else about it, you will copy your brand of Africa, basically, mm. you will have that define what you think about that place. Um, and then I have to convince you that the preconceived image in your brain is wrong mm. before I can get anywhere with you. Mm. All right? So for some countries, it means that they're already, you know, like uh, five to zero behind before they ever get a chance of, you know, showing who they are. I, I often use the example of Botswana. Uh, in master classes, right? I mean, it's a pretty stable, pretty, pretty good uh, country. Um, very little corruption, pretty good economy. Um, it's, it's it's a pretty good example, actually, of a country that's working quite fine. And, and it would be, uh, according to, I think, Transparency International, I haven't seen the, the newest numbers, but it would fit perfectly within the European Union in that sense. Right. Um, but most people in Europe and in Northern America, they will think uh, Botswana, Africa, oh, it's probably, you know, they're probably having starving kids and corruption and, you know, civil war and whatever and whatnot. Um, but they don't. Um, so and that's that's a pretty crazy example of, of how the very, very strong brand that is Africa uh, influence everything within that uh, because of our ignorance. Mm. Um, but this, this is a fact, and it's not something that you fix with education because the world is pretty large and contains a lot of places. Uh, and the way the human mind works is that it creates boxes and puts a label on it, and then within that box, it puts smaller boxes and so on and so forth. And it's very, very difficult to escape those meta-geographical structures. Um, and for place marketing and place branding, this is essential stuff because um, it goes down to the street level, you know? Uh, I mean, it's not just uh, countries and continents and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it definitely what? makes me think about the chat I was having with uh, with a colleague today that she had gone for a run in the town she knows, but only now realized that there is a, another route around. And now she's like, oh, so this is how these two connect. And it's like, yep, normally otherwise you thought it was perfectly... There was something there, but you you haven't seen it. Yeah. But it's interesting for me from the side of kind of the, the misconceptions one is that you say, you, you know, we can't avoid them. And I think from you know my own thinking around behavior economics is built on this idea that somehow you can correct them, which I think is not good because I'm trying to contribute on that side. But I think it's more important to really pay attention to how it works. So how do they these, you know, leaps uh, of of our judgment 
are made. So yeah. what are the rules that people tend to follow? Because then when you describe them, you can start learning where you can help uh, and ed not educate, but like fill those gaps. So what's their starting point, which I do yeah. think relates to uh, the branding. But but then if we if we build brands based on trying to update people's associations of a place and we start with imagining those that probably know the least a lot of times then they're the furthest away and actually would benefit the place the least so i'm i'm trying, yeah i'm trying to think about the the tension between attraction and then still keeping the place attractive for residents so yeah they're, they're there are only two, uh, well, actually maybe three dimensions where the people that are very far away can be of importance. Uh, one of them is as potential tourists or as potential investors, or in the words of Nicholas Call, uh, a little bit more relation to public diplomacy, right? So a certain attitude towards your country uh, where you don't want them to do anything. Uh, but maybe you want them to agree with their politicians when they do something in favor of your place and not much more than that right um so so that's um that's definitely this is why there's this link between place branding and public diplomacy um which is not necessarily transactional um so so that that's an element that i think is important um another element which which hints to what you're stating is that um you know if we if we take if if we take this notion of mine that that the brand is just those associations in your brain um then they are not necessarily contextualized mm. um <clears throat> so you can have the exact same association in your brain and i might not even try to change the association but i might try to change the context of that into as, uh, association um now that that sounds uh, complicated, but um, it basically means that the same thing that you attribute to a place, if you know a little bit more about that thing, a cultural trait or, or something like that, uh, then you might judge it differently. So you can you can have the attitude towards that set of associations shift in a positive direction uh, without trying to change the actual associations. Um, and that's what I mean by saying you, you can try to contextualize it. Okay. This is also why it's so important to know what associations people actually have with your place and mm. not just begin with what you would like them to have um mm. right so um and of course um you can start differentiating and segmenting people and try to figure out whether whether there is you know uh, <clears throat> whether you want some people to change their minds um and not just everybody um right um but that's where it becomes more marketing than branding in, in, in practice, right? If you start segmenting uh, and you have objectives for transactions and whatever and whatnot. Um, so uh, it's, it's dangerous. Um, I think what might be fruitful is to, to share very briefly with you how I define a strong brand, right? Okay. Um, um, when I say a strong brand, I basically just mean that if you ask <clears throat> a lot of people about their associations, with Africa, for example, mm -hmm. or with Belgium, um, if those associations match, so if a lot of people have more or less the same associations with that place, then it's a strong brand. It does not say anything about whether it's positive or negative. Okay. 
Um, because the positive and the negative, that depends on your objective. Mm. Uh, so uh, I often use examples of, you know, um, something can be very, very beneficial for tourism and, and very decremental for inward investment. Yeah. Uh, so example. it's a strong brand because everybody thinks the same, but contextualizing it, it plays out wonderful for, for tourism and not so good for inward investment. And you can imagine the, the cases here. Botswana is actually another one of, of these, right? Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that um, if you have um, more problematic um, associations in the mix, for example, Belgium, which I just mentioned, um, then uh, it becomes a frame. Um, so it becomes a stereotypical frame. And that means that everything that happens um, that people like to uh, sort of like match those things that they hear about in the news, for example, to that existing frame in their mind. Um, right. So, uh, for example, um, Belgium, at least in Europe, has this reputation for being a rather ungovernable country because of, you know, the divide between north and south and, you know, going years without a government and, and stuff like that. Um, so basically, it's sort of like chaotic. Uh, mini version of the European Union, right? That, that, that's a frame. Um, and uh, everything that goes wrong in Belgium uh, supports that frame. Right? Uh, even more so, everything that looks like if it might be going wrong in Belgium immediately is put into that frame. So for example, now it looks like they have more COVID-19 uh, uh, casualties uh, than other countries, uh, depending on their uh, on their population numbers, um, which uh, fits into this frame of this chaotic country, which is not governed well, right? It's a frame. It's not necessarily true. Um, and in that sense, it doesn't really, then you can come and you can say, yeah, but you know, the statistics are gathered differently. They're reported differently than other countries. So you cannot really compare them like this and like that, right? So that you can actually counter this with facts, but it doesn't really matter because it fits into the frame. Yeah. Right. Um, this is the same. Every single thing that goes wrong in Africa contributes to the, you know, the frame of the failed dark continent, uh, and all the positive stories that you can draw out from Ethiopia and whatnot and whatnot does not really change that. So it's it's a very very difficult uh, assignment to to go in and change these things. It requires a very very long term uh, uh, investment of of resources, not just money. Um, but, but basically thought, thinking power and, um, and action. Um, and I think that's something that people are not really realizing, um, to, to the full extent yet. Um, yeah. are there a lot of these, so a strong brand can be beneficial, but it can also be a problem. Um, and you know, to back this up with, with practice experience as an advisor, most cities and i work mostly with cities and regions not that much with uh, with countries or lower scalar levels um uh, so most cities that i know which have a very very strong brand they're trying to diffuse it right because they're like okay so this is very very good for example the city of the hague has a very very strong brand as an international city of peace and justice and uh cities like that, they have almost a tendency to say, yeah, but you know, that doesn't sell that many hotel beds. Um, right. So we should also be about the beach. We should also be about this and we should also be about that. And I completely understand that. I'm not saying it's incompatible. 
but it's an interesting tendency to note that cities with strong brands, they tend to want to diffuse them a bit. Uh, and cities that do not have strong brands, they tend to want to become strong brands, but they are incapable of choosing for what they should then be known. Right. Um, so, so this is, this is an interesting, um, I think it's an interesting dilemma. Um, okay. Yeah. It makes me think about a lot of examples from what I've been thinking about and also just very personal as well. I mean, as like my hometown, I'm originally from Bulgaria. It has a, one of the, probably the strongest reputations in the country, but it's entirely negative. You know, we're, we're the ultimate, you know, oh. left behind post-industrial town where things are rough and all of that, but the people from within take pride in that. So kind of thinking about where yeah. you were brought up as well. If you try to make it better, I would bet you that the people would be against it because they wouldn't be able to identify with the toughness and the roughness that they're used to yeah. like, built of iron and all of that. So, right. Uh, let me just have a look at some of the other questions that I had after. So we've talked about the clarification and then I'm, I really want to talk about what's essential in the application of these concepts. But just before we move on, I think I had something else. Um... Oh yeah, I guess this one is a bit, bit of a challenge, but you know, let, let's see your answer. I'm just thinking if, if we constantly need to clarify these concepts and why they have to be applied to to place in the first place all the time like what does that say about the grab of of, of these concepts sometimes if, if if some of these concepts have an in, like an instant grab they would be taken on board more and be more you know used more whereas we're like in place branding it's constantly having to clarify what we mean what we're saying and constantly clarify what we mean i guess is there such a like should they be in the same field these three concepts i guess is at the core of the question the the place promotion place marketing place branding because sometimes i've really thought about like even in the not not even just in places but is it the time when you realize that branding probably actually is harmed by marketing a lot of times when you're like, well, I definitely stand for that. But if I sell out to the, the, the audience that I don't want for a bit, I'm going to make some more money, but then I'm not going to, it's going to dilute what I stand for. So this is kind of mm -hmm. where this question is coming from. Uh, well, uh, tough one. Um, do they belong to the same field? Um, yes and no. Um, yes, because, um, to me, it doesn't make sense to talk about doing place branding without doing place marketing and place promotion, right? Um, you can choose to do place marketing without trying to do place branding, um, in the sense that you say, well, I don't have guidelines. I don't have a specific image that I want to sustain or protect or orchestrate. Uh, I don't care about the reputation. I'm just going to do the thing that, you know, brings me the most money or the most people, whatever. I'm going to try to build, um, you know, a, a proposition and those propositions can be mutually, uh, incohesive or whatever, uh, as long as they move people in the direction that I want them to do. Right. Um, that that's possible. Um, with that said, um, 
you know, whether cities and regions and countries use these terms or not, um, they have been doing this uh, forever, right? So um, it's not new. The only thing that's new is the terminology um, and the, the attempt to conceptualize this um, to bring a little bit more clarity uh, uh, into what cities are actually doing for which purposes. Because if we allow the semantic, conceptual, terminological confusion to exist, um, cities will, for example, launch a promotional campaign and think that they have solved the marketing and branding issue. Right? Uh, and that's the thing that we cannot uh, have happen. And I, it's, I don't think that every single city necessarily should um, hire us to do place branding, strategic work, or, or, or whatever. But I do think that they should think thoroughly about these things. Um, so, so that's um, I think that's one point of clarification. I think it's very important to have this historical perspective um, that that cities and, and regions and countries have been doing this forever. It's just that we now have. A different set of you know terms okay. uh, to distinguish uh, what they're doing. Yeah, um, that's that's good. The tools are changing. Yeah, right. It's um, really interesting. The first two cities uh, next to each other in Mesopotamia, the first two cities that were next to each other in Mesopotamia, um, they probably also battled for you know the reputation and the street cred of their leaders and all these different things. I'm pretty sure they didn't call it place branding, right? Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, well, that's quite an interesting one. How the the tools that we've got then change the the terminology of describing maybe things that have existed for a very long time. Yeah, that really makes me think about um, one of the questions I, I wanted to ask around. So we we're using the the marketing language, but now a lot of a lot of the the image that is seen by people from afar is done digitally. And there is a whole set of tools that are being used there, especially, you know, in the world that I tend to live in my day job is around UX and sounds, you know, futuristic, but a lot of the things is just to me, a lot of, again, exper experiential things. So user experience research, and I can see how understanding how people interact with the digital presence of, of place brands can be used just as well to describe some of the processes. At what point um, is it useful to keep using new language um, to to the same topic? And what, at one point does it become not so useful because we're not having the same discussion anymore? I think that's my question. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, um, language is not neutral. Right? It's, it's never neutral. Um, so um, determining whether this interview is about place branding or place marketing is already a funny one, right? Uh, it's the place brand observer, not the place marketing observer. Um, why? This is the end of part one of the second episode. Part two will be coming soon, uh, where we'll continue with our discussion around the practical application of the conceptual clarity that Martin has proposed. Take care.